All right, welcome back to the More Than Different podcast. We have a special guest today. Just under a month ago, this woman was my professor in my business class at Emerson College, creative collaboration, Narissa Williams-Scott. Now a month later, she's on the MTD podcast. She is a leader who is a straight shooter. She calls it like it is. She is authentic. She is ambitious. And if anyone's been following these, that's what being more than different is all about. And she is empowering. I was lucky to have her as my professor and learn a whole lot from her. And I'm even luckier to have her on the More Than Different podcast. Narissa, how are you? I'm blessed. How are you, Brendan? Nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And uh, yeah, um, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy. Case in point, you're in the car. So uh, right there you go. I, I love it. So let's. Uh, I'm so sorry to be talking to you. I'm so sorry to be talking to you from the road, but this is like my mobile office. I'm constantly on Zoom in my mobile office trying to make things happen. So you just you got to roll with the punches, right? Yeah, yeah. Best ability is adaptability, right? All right. Well, let's um, let's take it back a little. Let, let, you know, tell a bit about yourself. Let's connect the dots. I mean, being a professor is a fraction of what you do. Um, so I, I want people to just learn a little bit about you, where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school, and and how you've gotten into the industry that you are now in. Uh, so let's see. I um. I tell people all the time I was uh, raised in Texas and refined in Boston uh, because I spent my uh, formative years in Texas with my grandmother and my mom and being raised in the middle of the country. And and I mean, literally the country, you see horses walking down the street type country. Um, and it was it was awesome. It was the I you know, when you're in the midst of it, you're like, oh, this sucks. But as I became an adult, I realized that that foundation for me, um, it just it's it's beautiful. It just has helped keep me so grounded. Um, and then I moved to Massachusetts and, and my mom with my mom and I went to high school here. Uh, shout outs to Notre Dame Academy. Um, and I left and went to college at Hampton University, uh, where I studied theater all the while through high school. I was a theater baby. I was in theater classes, community theater, all kinds of stuff. I was all about that. Um, I started also in high school being a manager of the, um, field hockey team. And every year to the point that I got a letterman's jacket because I suck at sports, but I can manage the hell out of it. And um, and so that's how I I learned to start being a manager. And I actually worked at a at the South Shore Plaza where I was the third key. I was 16 and a half and I was the third key to close up record town. I don't know if you know what that means, but. Basically, I was the person at the end of the night that had to be responsible for counting out all the money and prepping the store for the next day with the staff. And I was only 16 and a half. And everybody around me was looking at me like, why is this child 
the third key and yet still I made it. And I was third key all the way until graduation left, went to Hampton university, shout outs to the pirates and, um, got into, kept doing my acting thing. Cause I started out in the acting world, but in undergraduate school, I learned about lighting design and, uh, stage management more and all of these different aspects of theater. So that when I graduated, I had a, a really good 360 view of what it takes to put on a theatrical play, which was good for me because even though I was doing the acting thing, it wasn't paying the bills. So I needed to find something that was going to help me pay my bills because the one thing I was not going to do was live with my mom. I don't know about any other generations, but I can tell you right now, Generation X, we are about independence. We are the definition of latchkey kid. Like, we like to do it ourselves. We don't want to be dependent on our parents at all. Um, and so I, at eight, at, you know, at 22, I was like, I'm out. And my mom's like, well, what are you going to do? I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, and then... I so I came back to Boston because you know it's where I grew up and I just had some random jobs and trying to just work in theater and I don't know one day I just woke up on the couch because I was taking a nap and uh can you hear me yeah 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 I hear you okay so I'm sure because I might be going through a dead zone uh, and I just woke up on the couch and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're not doing anything towards your dreams, or your goals or your wishes. And it was like, okay, let me go try LA. So I left, moved to LA, lived there for eight years, made some really great connections with people. Um, but it was because of my theater background that I was able to get myself ingratiated into the Hollywood, what have you. Learned how to do, you know, I got a job working on Everybody Hates Chris. And uh, before then, it was some other shows as a PA. Started learning about being on a uh, TV set, uh, TV show. TV is a lot like theater. It's like a good blend between theater and film because you still have some of the structure of being in theater, but you have the knowledge, know-how of learning about film. And I joke with the... Uh, unit production man. Oh, this is my grad school. This is my grad school. And uh, he taught me a lot. He um, he taught me a lot about putting together budgets and schedules and learning how to read the space and what it takes to put schedules together. And so I learned all these things all the while still trying to do my acting thing. Um, and I, I just, I got really good at behind the scenes and I recognized that the acting thing just was not my thing anymore. So I then pivoted and I started my own company called Navigator Notions. And it was a lighting design company. Um, and that company, I did a lot of live theater with it. I learned how to become a gaffer. Uh, I didn't know I could do it, but I was already a master electrician. Um, shout outs to IATSE. And um and so I have had all of these different jobs and these different things, and I I just kind of blended it all together. And then um, I got an opportunity to go to Atlanta. And uh, well, no, before that, I got an opportunity to work on um, as a production manager for a traveling show um, that was on the Chitlin Circuit. Shout outs. 
And um, and so I, I learned how to run a team in the sense of fast paced moving. I was responsible for them. I was the only woman on the team, which that didn't bother me because I was raised with a bunch of boys. And um, and so but I commanded my respect and they gave it to me, which I felt very empowered. Um, and so that from that show, um, I started working on uh, I worked on a TV show in Atlanta called Atlanta Homicide. Uh, did really well. We, were, we got distributed on ION. And um, and then I just kept working. And then, um, you know, this was well in advance of the pandemic. This was like 2009, 8, 8, 2008, somewhere in there. And then I found myself not having a project. And my mom always brought us up to, you know, if you don't have know what to do career wise, if you don't have any idea what to do, go back to school. And so it was like, okay, you know what? Let me go back to Boston because this is the school hub of the world as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and so I came back to Boston and I thought I was going to go to BU and they didn't want me. <laughs> wow, big mistake. Um, and I know, right? It's what I said. But at the time it was very, you know, deflating because I was like, oh my God, why? Um, but I, you know, so then I started working at, um, what was it, High Output down in Canton, shout outs, John Cini. And um, High Output helped me pay the bills. You know, um, I basically started over because I had, I had sold Navigator Notions when I left LA. And so I really didn't have a stable source of income. And I knew I needed to go back to school. But again, like I said, BU didn't want me. Um, and I just got a job working as the units manager at high output. Cause I, I could always depend on lighting to be that supplement for me. Like I always had a passion for lighting design. And so working with lighting equipment, designing lights, things like that, it was just something I love to do. And so because I had a passion for that, I always could, could, I could depend on getting a job in that and i knew that i don't know why i knew that i can't tell you why but i knew that it was because i gave the job a sense of enthusiasm so when i met with employers they were like oh she really is like loving lights yes i do and i really did i still do to this day um and so i decided that it made the most sense to stay at high output i stayed there for a couple years and then a friend of mine told me about a job at Emerson and I went to apply because as you can see, I love Emerson. Um, <laughs> I've always loved Emerson. I took a, I did the summer program at Emerson during high school. So I loved Emerson from high school days and I got the job. And then, you know, I was like, oh my God, I should go to Emerson and get my, my master's. And so that's what I did. And I got my MFA from Emerson and graduated in 2015. And along the way, while I was in the master's program, I was teaching workshops um, for undergraduate students. I was teaching uh, uh, workshops for graduate students because I'm an old head. So I was an old graduate in a sea of young uh, uh, graduate students. Um, and I'm really good at teaching. I mean, I'm not trying to sit here and toot my own horn, but everybody in my family is an educator. I'm the only oddball out being an artist. And so I grew up in education. I grew up around educators. I grew, this is my environment for my family. So started teaching, started my own company because I like to be an entrepreneur. Um, it's called That Child Got Talent Entertainment. 
Yeah. Uh, we specialize in production management for film, live events, concerts, festivals, uh, conferences. We do all of that because my motto after being in this industry for as long as I have is that production is production is production. It's all about changing the paperwork. So you can still you can transfer your skills between the different um, genres of entertainment or uh, and sometimes it's not entertainment. Sometimes it's an educational thing like workshops and conferences. And it's not difficult, but you do have to focus in on when you do make the switch. And so we've been alive and kicking at TCGT uh, since uh, officially getting our LLC in 2016. Um, and we've been rocking ever since. We've been uh, working on films. Uh, I have a slate of films that I am building um, packaging for. And for those who don't know what that is, packaging is when you put a pitch deck together and uh, one pagers and uh the artists you want to work with, the actors you want to work with, you put this whole package of information together and you go out and you seek funding. You go to production companies that have made, you know, significant films or, or not so significant, depending on who has the money. And you pitch them and you get them to what we call co-pro with you uh, and you make a movie. And so right now, as I'm driving right now, the reason I'm in my car is because I'm on my way to go meet with some people uh, to help get some permits done because I'm producing a film in Springfield, Massachusetts in July called Urban Ed. Um, and wow. that's kind of where I am. And I have other pro projects on the horizon. And it's just, it's fast paced moving, but I love what I do. And so I don't really feel like I'm working because I love what I do. I love that. Well, that that is a that is what we call connecting the dots right there. Um, wow, a lot to unpack. Uh, I guess what you just mentioned about those skills that are kind of interchangeable, regardless of the kind of creative industry you're in. What are those skills? So you have to have organizational skills. Um, being organized when you're the production, when you're the manager or the the person that's in charge. You got to be organized, right? You just you you got to have checklists. You've got to have you know um, forms that you constantly fill out, templates that you use. You have to have an understanding of legal. You don't have to be a lawyer by no means of or stretch of the imagination, but you do have to have an understanding of what we call legalese. And legalese is just having a, a brief understanding of the type of language that you're reading so that you can look for things that are red flags. But I will say this, at no point ever should you think yourself the ability to, you know, read a contract and completely understand it. I always have a lawyer look at my contracts just because I'm not a lawyer, right? So I have a lawyer. And then connecting the dots as far as... Um, not just paperwork, but you got to be good with money. Yeah, You know, you have to understand that money flows and you've got to allow it to flow. But then how does that work when it's flowing? You know, how do you set up money structurally so that it makes sense so that you don't get yourself caught up in an issue with the IRS? Like, you know, there are so many dots when it comes to money. And then you also have to have people skills. You know, you have to be able to talk to people. However that is, you can't come at someone with salt and vinegar in your voice and think you're going to get something nice and sweet coming out. Right. So you gotta, you gotta know how to talk to people. 
Um, and then, of course, last but never least is I, I believe in the education value of what we do. What are what am I trying to teach somebody? You know, I also come from a family of ministers. My grandfather was uh, the head pastor at the largest Methodist church in Houston, Texas. And, you know, it is imperative. I have a very deep connection with God. And so for me, I want to make sure that everything that I'm doing has a connection to our father, to our God. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not what some people would call a Bible thumper. No, I'm, I'm not that person. I'm not a Bible belt. Here, you're going to go to hell type of person. That's not me. But I'm an unconventional Christian. And, you know, I believe in spreading that ministry in a way that people get it. It's not about, you know, beating them over the head with it, but it's about showing through an example of who I am. Like, this is why I am who I am. This is why I have the grounding that I have is because I believe in God. So that's that's where I come from. Those are my dots that are connected. Did I answer your question? Yeah, well, yeah, you, know, you definitely connected the dots, though. I, and I was just asking and you answered uh, you answered it well about the skills that are important to to have that that are interchangeable. Um, and so obviously it's, it's clear in all your answers and everything you've done and you being in the vehicle right now, how busy you are. So how, how do you effectively manage time? That's a challenge. A lot of people have, even for me, you know, I have a business here. I'm, I'm a college basketball player, obviously a student, obviously also have a social life. So like, how do you, what are your best ways that you manage time? Cause you seem to have it, have it down. Well, first of all, I don't have it down. I make mistakes and miss out on things and all kinds of stuff. Plus, it, when I was in my 20s and just graduating from college and in college, I partied it up. Like, I <laughs> was not focused at all. I always had, you know, the mindset that I was going to do something really cool, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. It wasn't until I actually made it out to California and actually worked on a TV show, Everybody Hates Chris, um, shout outs to Ollie Leroy, um, that I began to structure my business acumen. I always just had a job, you know, and I had just a job so that I could go party. Because if I had just a job to take care of the bills, then I could go kick it and have a good time and not worry about anything else and just live my best life. And so, but it also backfired because while I was busy partying, other people were getting their lives together and being structured and having a good time, but not really. And I was just, I mean, my house was the party house. Let me tell you, everybody knew, go over, go over to Narissa's house. She's going to have a party this weekend. You damn straight I am. And that was, but that was me, you know, and I, I had the ability to do that because I grew up in a time a lot different than what people who are in college or just graduating from college have to deal with. Um, I grew up in the nineties, you know, and, or rather went to college in the nineties and it was a whole different environment for young people in the nineties than it is right now. So time management, I never really understood what time management was. Um, I didn't really think about it. As I've gotten older and like right now, you see me in the car, you see me doing what I'm doing, but I have to have, I, I need help. Like I can't do it by myself. Um, there's so many moving parts. Like right now we're in the midst of five productions and there's no way I could sit here and be solely 
just, you know, focused on each one individually. So I had to hire a staff. Like I, I had to bring people on to work for me so that I could make sure that all of these things happen for all of these clients. And that's, that's the key. It takes collaboration, which is why I teach business of collaboration at Emerson, because I was business of creative collaboration before it was a major, you know, like I, I didn't know that it was, I'm, I'm so jealous of you guys because you guys have an amazing major. I would have totally done this in undergrad, but that's okay. Um, and so I literally lived my life in a creative economy, um, and built a business in the creative economy. And so while I teach it, I also live it. And it's all about it's all about collaboration and making sure that everybody that you interact with brings a skill to the table so that you can see all of the moving pieces. I don't know if you've ever played the game Tetris. Yeah. But Tetris is one of my most favorite games ever because you have to you have to see how the pieces fit before they drop. And then if you're not careful, they start to get faster and faster on you, which means more and more problems come your way quicker and quicker. And how do you adapt? How do you move? And then sometimes you just fail and you tap out because failure is okay too, you know, and, and that's, that's key. I love that. So obviously you're CEO of that child got talent. You, Remind me of the name of that company that you sold out in LA. Navigator Notions. Navigator Notions. So you're clearly you you've run the show at, at several places and you're currently running the show. What makes the best leaders? What makes the best leaders? Because you're a mm. leader. And you pre you preach leadership know. in our class. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, I think a good leader also knows how to be a good follower. Um, a good leader doesn't leave the team behind. Um, as a matter of fact, a good leader doesn't necessarily always walk out in the front and the forefront of everybody. In my opinion, a good leader sits back with the rest of everybody else and, and talks to everyone about what do you think? What is your opinion? What would you do? How do you feel about this? Getting that, uh, that creative collaboration experience, that makes, in my opinion, that makes a good leader. I think a good leader has to have a form of compassion, not compassion to the point that you get walked all over, but compassion in the sense that you, where's your humanity? You know, um, sometimes things just happen. You know, if you have somebody that works on your team, for example, I'm a proponent of working with women who have children, mother's hours. And I bring them on to do different events because they can get there first thing in the morning after they drop the kids off. But then they got to go by mid afternoon because they have to go pick up their kids from school or at least be home by the time their kids come home from school. And so we build schedules around the fact that these mothers are going to be, you know, on staff that day. So having that kind of compassion, having the understanding that people come first, like the business is great and we have a good time and it's wonderful to do these projects, but it's the people, at least for me, I could be idealistic and romanticizing it. But for me, it's about an effective leader. It's, it's about the people. I love that. Wow. Oh, and, and, and how do you give back to your community? You can't just be a leader with a business 
and not give back to your community. Like you have to figure out what that looks like. Well, that, well they're they're lucky to work for you, Narissa. If only if only I could be a mother with children, then I. <laughs> I could get onto your mentorship. All right. Well, it's a good time. And we got to ask this. So what was it like having me as a student? Oh, my God, you're crazy. <laughs> you're absolutely a crazy person. But you you mean you mean what you say and you say what you mean, which is a very admirable quality. And also you you have great ideas, Brendan, like the idea of coming up with the laundromat or the laundry service, you know what I mean? Like, and being able to filter through the different aspects of that service enough to recognize who are your constituents. You know, it's, it's really difficult to start a business or be in business and you don't even understand the constituents that you're serving. Right. And I think that that's something that you bring to the table very well. You, you take it upon yourself to know who you are, service who you're giving the business to right giving the service to so i think that's a that's a hard thing to learn i know people my age who still don't understand that oh that's really nice i didn't pick up uh listeners i didn't pay her to say all that but that's really nice of her <laughs> i'm crazy because you're crazy so i uh i, I just there tried, it is i tried to match your energy every day um so that's right yeah that was the key i hopefully do you teach any classes at the beyond freshman no well i do but it's at the graduate level all right well maybe i'll do graduate school for that singular reason all right it's a dope class okay <laughs> i love it all right well i know you're in a rush so a couple more questions what well what you gotta ask this question as a follow-up but what um what really drew you into filmmaking you know i know that's something that when you you taught us that film unit and creative collaboration you could just hear the the passion and the the interest you have in that as you were I, teaching us and guiding honestly him. i honestly i like telling stories that's the that's the thing i like telling stories i like telling stories that help people that maybe makes people feel good about a crappy situation you know nothing better than when you're feeling down on yourself then all of a sudden you go watch a really funny movie and the yeah. kind of the angst just, you know, melts away. And then there are movies that we make that speak to our community and the the issues that are going on. Like I'm doing Urban Ed and Urban Ed is a film about a school that got closed down, but it was a, a charter school that really served black and brown kids in a specialized way. And the community, you know, was hoodwinked into believing that the state, you know, closed them down when it was really the county. And so it's it's bringing light to the darkness that is sometimes wrapped around certain situations. I believe in coming in and, and, and shining spotlights, not just flashlights, but spotlights. Let's bring it all out into the open. It's absolutely crazy. I love that. Yeah, storytelling. Absolutely. I mean, you're a great storyteller, so why not do it? Um, Thank you. Now, what, what are your favorite films? You got to ask that. My favorite film uh, of all time is 13th Warrior with Antonio Banderas. All right. I have not seen that, so I'm going to have to put that on the on the list. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
All right. Well, well, last question here, and I know you're going to have a terrific answer, but what, what is your biggest piece of advice for, you know, people my age or, or, or even just like entrepreneurs who are, are maybe hesitant for taking that risk or going after something, whether it doesn't need to be in the entrepreneurial world, but just like they're hesitant. And I know you're all about risk taking and, and being willing oh, yeah. to fail. So what is your biggest piece of advice? <clears throat> no risk, no reward. Easy as that. If you don't take the risk, you're not going to get a reward. You're going to get somebody else taking the risk and them succeeding and you watching them. And then you may be working for them, but then you're not an entrepreneur. So you can't be afraid of failure because everybody fails. Everybody. That's the only way you learn and take it to the next level. Sometimes people fail later. They may not fail in the beginning and you think they got it all worked out and they know all the answers, but they don't. It's just, it, it doesn't even work that way. So don't be afraid. Fear is a mind killer. No need to be afraid. You could be nervous for a little bit, but don't be afraid. Just do it. And if it doesn't work, do something different. Yeah. I love that. Simple advice. So uh, <laughs> you, the Celts, I know you're a Celts fan. The Celts going to come back and, and make history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. They're going to come back. They got two in a row. Now we need a third, need a fourth. By the time this comes out, hopefully they will be secured in the NBA Finals. So I'm excited. Well, Narissa, thanks so much for coming on. You are someone who I really admire and was lucky to be in your class and lucky to stay connected with because I, I admire how ambitious you are and how authentic you are. That's who I strive to be. That's what this brand's all about. So Thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing some wisdom. I know you got 97,000 things to do today, so go do those, <laughs> all right? And have a great weekend. Absolutely. Happy holiday weekend. Take care of yourself, Brendan. Keep in touch. I, I will, Narissa. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye, love.